She is every single thing that is wrong with big box brokerage. But that can't be a podcast, right? Welcome to my house. (laughs) This really is my house. Glittering gay. Coming your way. So thanks for tuning in today. The brokerage model has changed. Oh, yeah, significantly. And, And maybe not changed as drastically in New York as it has changed in other not so closed markets because i in my head manhattan new york city like that is a very who you know what you know connected i mean you guys are are keeping the walls up as high as you can so you're not infiltrated by zillow right you're not infiltrated by um probably and, and i don't know correct me if i'm wrong 100 percent brokerages so 100% brokerages have tried to make their way in where there were like subscription models. Um, none of them have really succeeded. We've had a few, you know, so I guess I would say like the big main players in the city now are Elliman, Corcoran, Compass, Brown, Harris, Stevens, um, us, and I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. Sotheby's and I guess those are probably kind of like the core six, you know, those are like the core six companies they all have. And then there's, and then there's a lot of like, what about like uh, Ryan Sirhand? Okay. I, I do forget about Ryan. Um, only because I, and this is no disrespect to him. I still think of him as a real estate agent and yeah. not a brokerage, you know? Well, you know, and, and I only ask, I mean, I don't know anything about the running of his brokerage or anything, but he seems to um, have, and, and it may not be any different than any other of the brokerage models in New York, but throughout the country, brokerage models have changed drastically. So back when I started, the agent needed the brokerage more than the brokerage needed the agent. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in New York, there may still be a lot of that where who, what, which brokerage you're with really matters. Really matters. And the brands of the brokerage are very, I, as I was rattling all of those off, it's almost kind of like, as I say it, a, a mental image of their clientele and their agent pops into my head right away. Yeah. Um, but that is, but in the, in the, in the majority of the country, there are lots of different brokerage models. Mm-hmm. And I work for a small boutique brokerage here in Atlanta. Most people don't even know what brokerage I'm with, which is so interesting to me. And the brokerage that I'm with is affiliated with Christie's, but most people don't know that. And so you know, I always want to stay up on, you know, what is the best brokerage model? Like, is there a brokerage model that I haven't? <laughs> is there a brokerage model that I haven't, you know, that I that I always want to know, not only because I, I want to know what else is out there, but if there was something that made more sense for me and my team and my brand, you know, I always want to know what the options are. If you don't know your options, you have none. 
And so, you know, I had been kind of looking around at different brokerage models and the traditional big box brokerage, the 100% brokerage, the downline brokerage, lots of different components go into all of those. But ultimately, um, you know, if you're with 100% brokerage, you're paying for every sign, every piece of paper, every flyer, all of the graphic design. There are fees, you know, insurance, all MLS fees, all of that kind of stuff that it's really not 100%. Right. You're in a downline brokerage that has a cap. You know, the cap is $15,000, for example. The cap is $15,000 and your... Um, your you get a hundred percent after you pay in fifteen thousand dollars. Well, you're still paying for every sign. Well, it's a virtual brokerage. There's no offices. If you want an office, you've got to pay for office space. Um, you know, you're paying for everything. So yes, you're getting a hundred percent of the commission, and you're also paying a hundred percent of the expenses. Right. And you know, Kirsten did a video on this as as well because oh, I didn't see this one. Yeah. So when you when you're with a full service or done for you brokerage, then the split is, there's a split. Okay. So, you know, is it whatever it is, is it 50, 50, 60, 40, 70, 30, 80, 20, whatever it is. Which that is, we don't get as high as 80 in the city. There's very few people who get 80 in the city. Um, like a top, top, top agent is getting 70 if they're a team because there's more financial resources that go into a brokerage supporting a team. If you're an individual, you might get 75. Um, and then, uh, but it's all based on like what your GCI is. And you kind of negotiate these packages at the end of the year. Like, you know, I will go on this split this is the budget I expect from you. These are, you know, the salary supports I expect from you. And, you know, but even like I do the math and I'm, so, you know, even though I started triple mint, once I switched to being an agent, I operate like a regular agent. So I think a lot of people think I'm keeping a hundred percent and that, you know, I'm just like this special case, you know, so my split is 70% and I get a lot of resources from the company that said, I still, so I think my total cost between like what they give me for marketing, what they give me, um, they supplement some of the salaries that I pay on my team. And I guess that's really it. It's just marketing and salaries. It's all I need. Um, but that's not including the office, you know, which I don't really use, but right. it is there. And, um, you know, any of just kind of like the hard cost resources that they provide, you know, I'm probably costing them closer to 80%, even though, even though my split is 70. Well, like marketing dollars or uh, salary support is not heard of well, here. Right. Because you're getting, I mean, there, there's one brokerage, big box brokerage that came in and offered a, uh, a, a signing bonus. They came in and offered a 95-5 split. And I remember sitting down with the owner and, and I said to him, I said, I don't, I, don't, I don't understand how you're doing it because you're offering all of this technology, you're offering all of this marketing, 
and you're going to give me a big fat check and you're going to give me a 95-5 split. Like if you're offering, and I mean, I'm not the biggest producer in Atlanta by any means. If you're offering that to me, how are you going to stay in business? Because I'm a business person and right. I, want you, I want you to stay in business if right. I join your brokerage. And so I remember, you know, any, the worst things that anybody can ever say to me is you don't understand because maybe I don't understand, but I also, when somebody says that to me, have a feeling that I understand probably better than they want me to understand. Yeah. So, um, because they they don't want you to care. Yeah. So for them, you know, unfortunately and fortunately, so, you know, I actually really happen to like compass. I think that I, I I didn't mention any brokerage name. I know, but, Oh, I didn't even know if that's who you were talking about. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't mention any brokerage names specifically because I just, you know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe my experience with a brokerage is different than somebody else's brokerage. Well, so, and I'm, I'm just going to address them yeah, because I, be, uh, the reason I'm addressing they're big in New York. Well, and that's where they started. That was their, that was where compass began was New York city. And their second market was the Hamptons. <laughs> and, oh, wow. I didn't yeah. know that. And, you know, and then they, they grew from there. They did, a, uh, they changed the industry. Absolutely. For 100%. sure. You know, and so love them or hate them. I think they did a lot of great things to push us forward um, because all of a sudden these brokerages, I, I'll speak only on behalf of New York. I don't exist everywhere, but in New York, there were a lot of legacy firms who yes. held huge market share hundred percent, and basically relied on, we've been here forever. Everybody wants to work with us. Yeah. So you should too. Yeah. Now all of a sudden this company comes in, they've raised a gazillion dollars and, and they're just literally throwing it around, yeah. just throwing it around. And you know, and that's been going on for a long time now when I think they started 10 years ago. And so they start throwing this money around and everybody is like, wait, they're, they're building technology that we've never had. Yeah. Um, they have all this money. They've built out these sexy offices with ping pong tables <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, and all of a sudden I remember at first when they opened, they were called urban compass and, uh, they were mainly doing rentals and they had oh, a, wow. like kind of like this rental brokerage model and everybody was kind of like, huh, like laughing at them. And I will, I remember where I was and I respect this person so much. I hope they're listening because they know I love them. Um, but I remember where I was sitting when I opened up and the article in the real deal said that Leonard Steinberg had joined Compass. So Leonard Steinberg is kind of like the Beyonce of luxury real estate in New York City. Get and, out. Yeah. I mean, a huge name. Just an absolutely huge name in our industry to this day. And um, and a super successful agent, really well-liked, had been at Douglas Elliman for, I don't know how long, but for a long time, for a big chunk of their career. Sold out a lot of the sexiest new developments in the city, always has trophy after trophy after trophy listing. You know, he's, he's just, he was that guy. And I remember because everybody had been kind of looking at urban compass at the time as kind of like this 
hokey rental like chop shop who was like helping college kids move to the city and all of a sudden I was like Leonard Steinberg is gonna go work there and 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 it was like all I talked about for like two days I opened up the real deal again and another big name is joined yeah. and another big name is joined yeah and all of a sudden there's like a temporary meltdown in the New York City brokerage community yeah because these they had a, there was a huge exit from both Element and Compass. I'm sorry, Element and Corcoran, um, including their sales managers. Their sales managers yeah. were jumping over, and so it wasn't just their agents. They were losing a lot of their staff, and I think everybody started to freak out. Lawsuits were being thrown around, right. and um, and I have no idea what happened with those lawsuits. But I was like, I remember I kept thinking I was like a company opens and people want to go work there. That's not illegal. That's called fair, fair business. Well, and, and you, you know, you make a great point. I, I, I will, I will say, um, I do think that Robert Rufkin was probably, um, one of the biggest factors in changing the brokerage relationship with the agent. Yeah. hundred percent. And, and, but over leveraged that financial side of the relationship. And I think we've, yeah. we have found ourselves in a bad situation now. Well, and it's, and it's difficult to put that toothpaste back in the, in the tube. Yep. Because, you know, talking agents backwards on commission splits is very difficult. Um, and, and so, it's impossible. Well, you can't lower somebody's split. It's very, and be like, yeah. we're trying to be profitable now when they're, <laughs> when they're, when they're doing the same volume. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so what's happened and, and, and you and I kind of talked about this because when you're in a franchise, there's a franchise fee mm -hmm. and here in Atlanta, when you're giving people 90, 95%, they're, there is no way to pay a franchise fee because you're giving all of the money back to the agent. Right. And if you're talking about and rent and salaries and exactly everything and, and the, the majority of the franchises uh, expectation is brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. So whether it doesn't matter if you're with ABC or DEF or LMNOP real estate if it's a franchise, they're really looking for you to acquire and maintain brick and mortar and staff. And in this day and age where, and you are a great example, I think you said it's been two or three years since you've been into an office on a regular basis, not since pre-pandemic, and especially in New York, where I read an article uh, in The Real Deal, again, uh, which is, I always call it the uh, CNN of real estate, mm -hmm. um, in The Real Deal, that that uh, office space in New York occupancy had dropped 50%. Mm -hmm. And so there we're, we're navigating this very difficult um, river between agent and brokerage because you've got these brokerages that have hundreds of thousands of square feet in office space across the country, uh, tens of thousands of square feet here in Atlanta, you know, just talking about Atlanta. And 
getting out of those leases, dumping that office space, my office here in East Cobb, they closed it. Retail office space, a receptionist, a broker, you know, that's a $250,000, $300,000 line item Mm -hmm. that if you've got 15 agents in an office that are not, not paying for that. It's just, it's very, it's, it's a very interesting conundrum that the brokerage community is in because is the virtual brokerage. And, and if you, do you listen to that Mike Delapierre? Never even heard of him. Oh my, I'm sure you have. Cause he's in the real deal all the time. The guy is the Oracle of like real estate. I'm telling you right now, this guy talks about brokerage and how much money they lost in their business model and where they're losing money and where they're hemorrhaging money and where they're making money. And he talks and he breaks down. I mean, I will never, ever forget in my life listening to him break down. Um, ABC has 10 months in their bank account. LMNOP has four months in their bank account of liquid cash. And just the way that he breaks it down was so clear to me. And, you know, he is a big, uh, I don't want to say proponent, but he definitely uh, pull, pulls back the curtain on these virtual brokerages that are just swimming in real money, not venture capital money, not, you know, soft bank money, like real like money from revenue. Right. And it's just so Oh, I need to go watch that. Oh my gosh. It is so the guy it is so interesting. And and that was really what got me to looking at different brokerages because I mean I work for a fancy brokerage here in Atlanta. The people are amazing. They don't hire new agents, great caliber agents. I have a great fun office. Absolutely love it. Um, so, I mean, it, I wasn't looking at brokerage to uh, looking for something better. I was simply looking at different brokerage because I am interested in the real estate industry and where it's going. And I think it's always better to know than to be called blindsided. And, and as, as we discussed, Compass really opened the conversation for brokerage, I feel like, for agents. And when I started back, when Jesus was a baby, like it wasn't Glenda Baker, the real estate agent. It was Buckhead Brokers. Like I went to work for the Taj Mahal of real estate. I mean, literally the building that I started in is now the Church of Scientology. It was that big. I mean, this is a, you know, 70,000 square foot was a real estate office. Right. And I mean, there were 90 agents in that office. It was two levels. I mean, it was amazing. And, and I needed that brokerage for credibility. Today, the brokerage needs the agent to operate. And I was, and I was talking to somebody the other day about another brokerage. Um, and it, it doesn't do uh, revenue share, it does profit share. And he was telling me, he's like, you know, Glenda, there's not much profit in brokerage anymore. So while there is profit sharing, in all honesty, there's not a ton of profit. They're making the money off of the ancillary services. And I'm sure you have that in, do you have that in New York? 
Not as much. So like some of the companies have like built in title and things like that. Correct. We, we don't. And here's, I want to go back to. I talked a lot. Sorry. Well, no, but I think like, <laughs> so the issue is, is that agents come in, they have tons of expectations yeah. of like, what are you going to give me? What are you going to do for me? Yeah. What are you going to give me? They want the done for you product and they want a hundred percent commission. Exactly. <laughs> and I was like, and it, you know, what makes me, uh, crazy is that I'm like, are you not, are you not smart? I was like, are you, you know, not a business person? Yeah. Are you not a business person at yeah. the very least in order for you to be able to operate successfully as an agent? We're going to have to be able to pay the rent. Right. We're going to be able to have to invest in the things to support you. Yeah. And we're going to be able to have to pay the salaries of the people that you expect to have on staff yeah. to support your transaction from start to finish. Yeah. And the issue is, is that because uh, Compass came on the scene with hundreds of millions of dollars at first, and then over time, I think it's like, on what, like $2 billion yeah. total they've Billions raised? Billions of dollars. Yeah. And... And so they were like, don't you worry. Like, we're just going to pay for it out of this. We're going to get our headcount and our market share to a certain spot. Then we'll go public and everything is going to be fine. Right. That kind of blew up in their face because yeah. then we had people like, uh, I'll just say Anywhere, uh, which is the brand that owns Caldwell Banker and Compass and Sotheby's. Not Compass. I'm sorry. Corcoran. Uh, Corcoran. Why do I keep um, uh, And Sotheby's. You know, they started playing the game back. And they were like, okay, so now we're going to pay big recruiting bonuses. Mm -hmm. And then it just kind of became like this fun moment for agents to yeah. feel like, oh, like I'm just, I'm just following cash. Yeah. And these people are just going to hemorrhage for a second until there's a, a settling that yeah. ends up happening. Now it has made me lose. I don't know who I've lost respect for along the way. I'm like, is it the brokerages? who are playing the game because at a certain point I do think that you could have just stepped back. And I mean, because I, you know, compass is really struggling to find profitability, you know, they're, yeah. and this isn't me hating on them because I actually do think that uh, so many of my friends work there. They're very happy there. Um, but obviously it went public at $17 a share. It's like $2 a share now, you know, right. and, um, uh, and, and we're seeing that and they're not the only ones who have, uh, plummeted in the stock market. Um, I, I believe anywhere shares are also way down. Yeah. I, I mean, and, I, real estate brokerage shares overall, this is not a hate fest on any brokerage. Right. That's not the point of this conversation. But, but, uh, but is, but of, is the history yeah. because this, uh, because compass is how we got here. Right. For sure. Like that's not, that's not me saying they're good or bad or evil. This is just like, they're the reason that we're in this situation. So then in the city, we are interviewing agents, uh, doing, you know, a, trying to get new talent over to the agency. And um, the first one that kind of blows my mind as I'm getting into the brain of this agent, super successful agent, they do work at Compass and they come in, we're, we're talking to them and they say, Compass has been great, but the writing is on the wall. The money's not the the money's not there to support the business anymore. We're gonna have to shut things down. And you know, I want to be somewhere uh, where where they're being smart with how they're running the business. So I'm really excited about this person. I was like, they get it. And 
then they come with their list of needs in order to move over. Their green M&M needs. That's what I call them. Yeah. Where it's just like <laughs> they want multiple uh, they want multiple offices in multiple locations. They want a seven figure signing bonus. And, um, you know, they just, they literally want the world to come over. And a lot of it is not for them to get rich. It's to now, because these agents have locked themselves into contracts, which right. used to not exist. No. We used to just be free agents who would just right. like bounce around. Yeah. I'm a free agent, by the way, I can yeah. do whatever the fuck I want. Right. But you know, these agents have clawbacks that say, if you leave, you not only have to pay back your signing bonus, you have to pay back everything we've invested in marketing, any salaries we've given you. So if this person has been there for four, five, six, seven years, they owe over a million dollars to the brokerage if and when they leave. Right. So a lot of these, they're, they are so handcuffed. And I was like, so now that I think people got excited about their, their little check and we're like, I'm just going to read the, didn't read the contract, uh, didn't read the contract. Yeah. And now they realize like, no matter what happens at this company, yeah. I'm at this company, unless yeah. I want to write a big check to leave. I've, I've re I read the contract. Yeah. And, and I was like, is someone really going to sign this? Because it's specifically stated in there that if you didn't stay there for two years, that you owed all of that money back, exactly what you said, mm -hmm. the signing bonus. And then there was a portion of the commission that you were going to have to pay. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. So it was crazy. But there was a brokerage here in Atlanta and uh, they came, they were, they were getting uh, just absolutely pilfered with, I mean, their top agents were getting just crazy money, crazy splits and several of their agents left. And the owner of that brokerage uh, had a meeting and said, okay, so this is what's happening. We understand it's business. We want to make sure you understand. We're going to tell you all at the same time, you don't need to bring us the offer that they're making you. We're not meeting it. Your split is your split. If you choose to leave, there's the door. We're not going to be changing splits. These are our splits. They, everybody's on the same split based on GCI. This is what you get. And she stood strong on that and never wavered. Never wavered. And did she lose a lot of talent? Or did people respect it? She, lo she lost some talent. But I'll be honest with you. I think that her going directly to the agents, she called a company-wide meeting in person, mandatory, I think her going to the agents and stating her position and literally scaring the shit out of them because they knew if they left that once they left, the door was closed. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, and, and, and she rolled the dice because she was getting pilfered. I mean, they were taking agents left and right from that company and I feel like that, and, and I have mad respect for her as a businesswoman. I mean, one of the best businesswomen I've ever met in my entire career. And I thought, I thought to myself, she's, she's, she's got some chutzpah. I mean, she just was mm -hmm. so strong. But again, we have seen a dramatic shift, especially in Atlanta, 
and in other markets similar to Atlanta where um, it is not that the agent needs the brokerage, it's the brokerage that needs the agent and that there are lots of different business models. Well, the, in this thing, we haven't seen that as much in the city yeah. and we haven't seen that as much in the Hamptons yeah. um, because even compass there, you're not going to make more than 70% probably. I don't well, yeah. know. Somebody might've negotiated a, a, well, a deal, but, but I think people there, we have these, we have these expectations from our brokerages. Like this is what you need from us. And so they just done a good job of like drawing a line in the sand. Yeah. Also, I'm, I don't know what overhead is like down here, but you know, and now you can get a really good deal on an office, but typically office space in the city costs a fortune and you know, and you're also paying city level salaries. You know, these right. aren't, you know, you're not going to get an admin that you can pay 40 grand a year. You know, it's like that those salaries do not work in the city. Well, you know, it's really interesting to me and, and I, I, I don't know how I feel about it, but, you know, some of these virtual brokerages or downline brokerages have really put together this virtual assistant uh, staff. Mm -hmm. And so not only are they not paying what a normal wage would be in Atlanta or the U.S. or anywhere, they're paying $1,500 a month to someone outside of the U.S. And they are running. Oh, it's raining. I didn't know it was going to rain today. Is that rain? Yeah. I was like, what is that sound? I, I was like, I, I we're was under like, attack. I kept, I kept thinking, what is that? Um, but they are running. And these brokerages through virtual virtual assistants and sit down and grasp tightly so they're they're going into markets they some of them are already in every market but some of them are not they're going into markets in nebraska let's say and they're not looking for the best broker they're looking for a broker that they can open the that 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 state and so ABC Brokerage goes in and, you know, Nancy in Nebraska is a broker. Hey, Nancy, we'll give you X number of dollars. You'll be the broker of record for all of Nebraska. And we're going to start recruiting in Nebraska. You don't have to worry about it, Nancy. You go ahead and sell houses. But Nancy does have to worry about it because Nancy is now responsible for the liability. When you're the, when you're the broker of the office, you're not just there to collect a check. Yeah. I mean, you are taking, there is a lot of fucking liability but it involved. Is, it, of, of all the things that I see with um, virtual brokerages or 100% brokerages um, is that the, the broker, are you going to that person to solve your very expensive issue? You know, Somebody's going to lose their earnest money. Somebody's going to lose the sale of their home. Somebody's, you know, they've removed all of the appliances out of this house and, you know, they're gone. Are you really going to Nancy in Nebraska that's been licensed two years that doesn't know anything? Mm -hmm. Like, is this the person who's going to fight, 
fight for you. You get called in front of the real estate commission. Is Nancy the one who is going to go to bat for you? Do you feel comfortable with that? In my head, I feel like that, that there, there, there is a cost to do business. And if you are getting 100% from a brokerage, then are you getting the best resources? If you're not, it's no problem. You need to make sure you have your own legal counsel. You need to make sure you have your own staff. You need to make sure you have your own graphics designer. And ultimately, you are not paying $15,000 a year. You are absorbing the cost for all of the things that is not done for you some other place. Yeah. I just feel like as we continue to watch some of these big name brokerages take these huge financial hits, yeah. you know, especially the ones that are public because then their quarterly earnings are all, are all public information. Yeah. And, you know, and so we're seeing them take nine figure losses per quarter Yeah, per quarter. We're not talking like annually yeah. they lost over a hundred million. No. And some of that is cooking the books, by the way. Yeah, of some course. of that is is like they need it to look a certain way yeah. to offset revenue and taxes yeah, and things like that. So I it's not it. like they're really fucking broke. But um, I'm sorry, you take a hundred and twenty five million dollar loss. Typically, you've got you've got to have a lot of revenue somewhere else to absorb a hundred and twenty five million dollar loss and not feel it. Oh, for sure, for sure. And 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 this is the thing is that is that there are different buckets, brick and mortar bucket, agent bucket, ancillary services bucket. And if your agent population is shrinking and you're still holding the same amount of brick and mortar space, I mean, it's two plus two still equals four. Mm -hmm. Give me a break. So I, I just, I think, I think that we are going to continue to see the brokerage landscape uh, evolve. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's, I think it is great, um, for agents. I also think that it can be, uh, detrimental to agents because if you, if you are not thinking like a business person and you think that all of all, that you're going to pay $150 a month or $395 a transaction or $15,000 or something like that, and you're going to get white glove service on a silver platter, you probably are not thinking clearly. Absolutely. And, you know, we can finish this by saying like, if you're all you're thinking about when you're moving brokerages is like, what are you going to offer me? Like how much money are you going to give me to come over here and do my thing? And you're not thinking about their business and then you are doing your clients a disservice. Yeah. Like if you are not thinking about like what house am I going to be operating under and are they going to be able to survive? Can they ride the waves? Like, of course we all survive the good markets. What are they going to do when the market is tough? Like if they don't have a plan in place and yes, that does mean that your uh, girl, it's an emergency call. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Cause it, it, well, pineapple, pineapple. What we gonna do? Subscribe, share, rate, and review. Like, share, rate, subscribe, review. In whatever order you like, apparently. <laughs> <laughs>